Hi, welcome to the Layman's Journey. Today we'll be taking a look at the reading for the 12th Sunday in Ordinary Time. So we're back to green. Uh, I'm your co-host, Raphael, joined as always by James. James here. Do you want to take us off with the antiphon? The Lord is the strength of his people, a saving refuge for the one he has anointed. Save your people, Lord, and bless your heritage, and govern them forever. Even just this antiphon really spoke to me a lot. <laughs> yeah, I it's just, you know, I wasn't feeling so great today. And then this is just like such a message of, of courage, right? It's hmm. the Lord has our backs, right? And it's kind of this reminder that as long as we're faithful, like we are his people, you know, mm. and we're the people of the Lord and he's protecting us. So yeah. it's silly of me to feel down in the dumps. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think this kind of goes into the first reading, though. It's like uh, this idea of just like, you know, we have our days where it feels like it's rough, but then you have to remember that the Lord is with you and he's, he's always there to support you, right? And he all you have to do is... you like a mighty champion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's also it's also it's also kind of hopeful in a I don't know if I feel good about feeling hopeful about this, but my persecutors will stumble; they will not triumph. In their failure, they will be put to utter shame, to lasting, unforgettable confusion. And that seemed hopeful to me, but at the same time, it's like, am I hoping for other people's failures? (laughs) (laughs) Um. No, that that line spoke to me too in particular. It's just I I like to think of it as kind of like going off what we were talking about last week is this idea of we want to be truer to our faith, right? We want to be able to um proclaim our faith and share our faith without feeling ashamed. And I think that this to me at least is like when we're talking about persecutors, we're not hopefully we're not just talking we're asking for people to just come up nowhere and like attack us, but it's like the, those that just are just against Catholicism, right? Like there's, they don't really have a reason. They just, they just chose not to like it and they're attacking you. And I think, yeah. I think this is kind of what it's referring to, right? It's just that we, we, we stay faithful to the Lord and we don't let, you know, their words hurt us or because, right. because we have, we have to remember that, you know, the Lord is with us kind of like what you're saying earlier. He's, he's a mighty champion, right? Mm-hmm. What mighty champion is going to fall to words. Right. Right. And it's so, untrendy to be openly catholic now uh it's something we really have to have a personal fortitude um to even be outspoken about it right it's Mm -hmm. it's difficult when you're in any kind of group of people and someone starts talking about something that's anti-christian and everybody else is agreeing with them to stand up and be like well hang on (laughs) you know that's difficult um but yeah also um one other thing that really spoke to me a lot oh lord of hosts you who test the just who probe mind and heart it kind of reminded me um that just because i'm feeling weak at any point it doesn't mean that i am failing right the the it's it's kind of that level of 
the closer you get to God, the harder he's going to test you. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I don't even feel like I've been tested very hard, (laughs) Uh, you know, but this just kind of reminded me of, of, um, you know, all the people throughout the history of the Bible that were tested for their faith. Right. And they held true to their faith through all of these horrible experiences and they didn't ever go down the road of God has abandoned me. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's always the faith is first and everything else I will make it through because of my faith. And so that was a very good reminder to me. Um, just that, it's it's almost like an honor to be tested, mm-hmm. right? The more you're tested, the more respect you're getting. Kind of that's how, like how my brain put it together, um, and so that made me feel a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I think I I definitely agree with that, and I think it's 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 kind of weird, but it's something that you should want, right? Because I think that. At least from my experience, it's just, you know, when you have those moments where you feel like God is with you, you feel like life is going well, if those are the moments where your faith are, are feels stagnant, right? Because you're not doing anything anymore. You're just, you're just going through the motions. You're not trying to push yourself to find God in different ways or try to find God, you know, in, in a more determined and spiritual manner, right? Because I think complacency is what we want to avoid in our faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I, I feel like the tests help us avoid the complacency. Like it's a blessing in disguise, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and it's also a level of, you know, becoming comfortable with the uncomfortable, right? Which is like a generic self-improvement thing. Like if you want to improve yourself, you have to put yourself outside of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And this it, being tested spiritually is putting yourself outside your comfort zone. Um, right because you can just cave in to like being depressed or sad about it and then like ceasing to function other things or you can face it like the test that it is and because of that facing it you grow because of it mm-hmm. um yeah and i think it's it's that journey that you go on right to find the find the new I, I, i'd say landing place that god wants you to be at as he prepares you for wherever he's going to lead you in the future. Right. Yeah. Um, for to you, I have entrusted my cause. If we entrust our cause to the Lord, that means we're going to follow what path he sets for us. Mm-hmm. And if we're following the path he sets for us, it everything should turn out how it's supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> right so yeah everything about this reading was very encouraging to me yeah and i think this this reading is coming at a really great time it just it just it just feels like everything is kind of like falling apart in the world and just having this nice reminder that god is here with you and god has a purpose for you you know he has a plan yeah yeah terror on every side denounce let us denounce him and i felt like everyone that tries to actually speak the truth in any form of public capacity gets so denounced by hordes instantly Uh you know it's just like there's no ability 
to speak the truth and have people be receptive to it right now. And it's just kind of this really great reminder of that we shouldn't be afraid of speaking the truth. And I think it's also a way of saying you shouldn't be afraid of seeking the truth either, right? Mm -hmm. Just because someone is saying something you don't agree with doesn't mean you just abandon it to the wayside immediately, right? You have to, if you if you feel like there's any grain of like truth in it, you have to give it a fair chance, right? And like right. your your own looking, right? Because I think for sure nowadays there's no there's there's really rarely any news that isn't reflecting some kind of agenda. Yeah, well, and I think a very general mindset is to vilify anyone that disagrees with you or any other stance. And I, I think this is true on both sides of the spectrum. Like, for an example, um, as Catholics, we're pro-life. Um, but the pro-life movement, <clears throat> even in its name, is vilifying anyone that doesn't agree with them, right? And uh -huh. By being pro-life, I don't think that everybody that supports abortion is knowingly having murderous intent towards mm -hmm. living human beings, right? I think they're very tragically misled. But at the bottom line, I think I can speak for most people in the world. We all stand for life. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the argument isn't <laughs> who, like who likes life, who's for life. It's everybody pretty much is for life. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of the discussion is in what is that life, right? And then we're coming from the same this the same level, right? And we can kind of speak on terms. Whereas if I say I'm pro-life and you're anti-life, now we're enemies right off the bat. How mm -hmm. do we have a conversation? Right? Mm -hmm. And and I think this is true of almost every topic of political discussion right now where you start off instantly from the bat as enemies and there's no common ground to work from yeah no i think that's that's the general sense is like i'm right you're wrong that's that's what they're working with mm -hmm. like i think that doesn't leave round, um, ground for discourse or communication because neither side is willing to budge right it's because the, the other side can't possibly be right right and and also because i'm right and you're wrong. I am morally superior to you, and you are villainous scum. Right? Mm -hmm. It's like there's no room for growth in either side when that is our mindset. Um, yeah. So I mean, I think it's just from my perspective, the best way if you're going to have to have a conversation with people you disagree with. Um, that might disagree with you is to find a common ground and start from that common ground mm -hmm. and then work in very small steps from that common ground until you find the point of disagreement. And then that's where you have your discussion. That, see, that makes sense. Yeah. I think, I think getting to that is really hard though. It I, is very difficult. <laughs> yeah. Cause you have to have two people. people that I think they're and then are willing to listen and have an uncomfortable mm -hmm. conversation because that's what you're going to have. It's an uncomfortable right. conversation. Another comfortable is, of any is like room for improvement and growth.
Right, right. I mean, and you know, you can see that through anything. If you go on a retreat, and it's like a fasted retreat, right? You grow through the discomfort of fasting, and and it makes you better, gives you insight, and and like history. Before we had modern dangerous to climb a mountain, you'd have people climbing mountains just because it makes you encounter something in yourself when mm-hmm. you push yourself past that boundary of discomfort. Um, and because of that, you grow. And I mean, this is something we've known for eons that we just apparently have forgotten in the last 50 years. <laughs> I think it's ironic that we. We know this, and when I went through school and become a teacher, I was taught this, right? It's just that you, you need to challenge people so then they can grow beyond their limits and realize that they can. But even though that is what we tell people, we don't really, the society as a whole doesn't want to do that, right? We don't want to be uncomfortable. We want to be comfortable and not run into challenges because it's easier to be comfortable. Right, right. It, and it it kind of speaks to how we've gotten to the point of delinquency that we've gotten to where our so many of our rights rights in quotes are taken away like we have all of the freedoms of comfort that don't mean anything and none of the important freedoms um and it's that comfort thing that it makes us complacent when we get comfortable we become complacent and Mm -hmm. so i you know i think many people there are many people that artificially try and create that discomfort right because it's it's easy to get by in society right now and have enough food on your table and have a air-conditioned house um but a lot of people that you meet will purposely seek out things that make them uncomfortable you know like people that train or like runners right like marathon runners i've never run distance but i cannot imagine that's comfortable (laughs) <laughs> no it's not, that's fair yeah yeah right um and yeah even hikers to some extent like people that take it seriously or, or bikers it's just there's so many people that are trying to fill this void mm-hmm. and uh, i think many of them do it almost unknowingly um but it's clearly something that's innate in us as humans that a level of discomfort is good for us mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think that kind of wraps up like the first reading. I mean, it's just like it was it was small, but it, it felt really packed. Yeah. Uh, do you want to move on to the psalm? Yes, I do. I would like to also just read the first verse because I really loved the first verse. All right. For your sake, I bear insult, and shame covers my face. I have become an outcast to my brothers, a stranger to my mother's children. Because zeal for your house consumes me, and the insults of those who blaspheme you fall upon me. This just kind of put it in perspective for me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's easy to feel today that we are outcasts societally. Mm -hmm. But when I read this, you know, my family still loves me. (laughs) My brothers aren't hating me. I still have friends. Not every single person has turned on me, right? I still have people that support me. Mm. And 
so I, I shouldn't be complaining. <laughs> <laughs> I I think to, to me, what what I'm getting here is the sense of camaraderie you get from the fellow faithful, right? Mm-hmm. I think, especially, if, I remember a moment in high school where I was I was going through confirmation, and I was like, oh man, this is something I'm going through. No one else is going through confirmation. But then um, I struck a, con- struck a conversation with a, a fellow classmate, and then we both started talking about it. And it just, I know that for us both, a confirmation probably at that point wasn't super important, but the fact that we belong to the same faith, we're going through the same things, created a, a bond, right? Like a sense of belonging that is rarely felt. And I, I know, I think it's it's comforting to know that you can find other um, Catholics around you that are as faithful, that want to live um, a life that is an example of, you know, God's glory and to share it with other people, right? And it's also right. kind of comforting to know that they share the same fears as you, right? Same from society and how you, you know, people are talking or bashing Catholicism and you're like, do I speak up here? Do I, do I risk my job? Do I just like, you know, do I make this uncomfortable? And it's, I don't know. It's nice. And it's, it's not nice that other Catholics are going through it, but it's nice to know that you're not alone. Right. It's like we were talking about a few weeks ago about how the apostles must've felt at the very beginning you know they're surrounded by basically enemies that they have to convert and mm. they are their only friends <laughs> you know um and i mean that must have been terrifying right and it's kind of a very similar thing i like this zeal for your house consumes me now to me the word like being called a zealot it seems almost like it has passive negative connotations mm-hmm. from from my um, education. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, why? Why would that have negative connotations? That's somebody that believes in something so much that they're willing to die for it. Like, that's a respectable trait. So why would I think that, that is is bad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it just made me really think about, you know, like, why do we see zealotry? I mean, I don't know if this is how you felt in your mind, but to me, I, I was seeing zealotry as a bad almost and until I it's, thought about it. It's interesting. For me, it's just like when people are talking about zealots, um, my first thought is cults. And I think that's why I get this Mm-hmm. idea of negativity but like when i think about zeal for the lord or zeal for the or zeal for god like that that seems right to me and I think yeah like this idea is like yeah if you if you, like i think society is scared of i think zealots i guess we can say that um because i think they're afraid to like i think they're afraid that maybe how they're living their lives is false and that if they give what the zealots are, you know, believing in a chance that they've been living it wrong and they don't want to take that risk is kind of my sense at least. Yeah. I I think it almost is also a commitment issue Mm -hmm. um, where so much of our society right now completely devalues true commitment to anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And a zealot clearly is committed and Mm -hmm. to someone who's 
never really truly committed to anything before in their life, that's probably pretty scary to look in the eye, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know before my um, return to the faith, I, I was very much what I'm talking about, not committed to really anything. Mm-hmm. I was just going day by day doing my thing. And when you met somebody that was super committed to any idea, they were, it was kind of cringe, you know? It was like, that's weird. Why Why are you so freaky about this? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't I, introspective about that at the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I've I've gotten that um, experience from now acquaintances. They used to be friends, but um, and maybe this is the reason for it. But it's just like they were always wondering, it's like you know, Xavier, why is your uh, faith a big deal to you? And I, for me, it was like it's a decision that I've made. I'm committed. To, I wouldn't say I'm zealous in that sense, right? Because I I do the I'm a, I'm a shadow Catholic amongst people when they're bashing me, kind of thing. But for people that I'm comfortable with, it's really it's just like it's a decision that I've made, and it's something that. I value in my life, right? Because it gives my life meaning. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I remember even back in the good old days when you would go to so many masses and I wasn't attending mass at the time. And I just like kind of thought you were a bit loony, you know? <laughs> I was like, man, that's my crazy friend that goes to like a million masses all the time. And now it's like, I have so much respect for you for doing that now that I have Mm -hmm. this other perspective, you know? And yeah, it's just, it's a totally different perspective. Yeah, for sure. And I think that it's, it's not so, I think we have to be very careful about the mightier than thou, holier than thou attitude. It's just like, just because someone was zealous before you doesn't mean that you can't, your worth is lessened because you were zealous later, right? I think, right. I think being that devoted to your faith is something that everyone should be happy about, right? It's not a competition of, right. oh, I was doing this before you. It's more of, I'm happy that you're here at this point in your life with me. Right. Well, and you have like Saul is a very good example of this, right? Like he persecuted Christ- or the um, Israelites mm. for ages, right? And then he was converted after an event. And then he was very pious after he converted. And it, mm. he's regarded as basically a hero for this, for his piety, right? And it's up until the point of conversion, he wasn't, right? Mm. And so it's not, it's not about like, well, I've been to Mass every Sunday since I was born. Like, okay, how pious are you now today, right? Mm. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. And- I think that's the important bit, right? It's like if if you're if you're bragging about that, then obviously you know you're not seeing it for what it should be, right? It's like you've been blessed with the opportunity to go to mass since you were born, and now someone else has also joined you in this you know opportunity for the rest of their life. And I think it's it's not a. I think it's we've talked about this a lot, but it's about welcoming people, right? And that's right. what. Catholicism is about it's about welcoming everyone mm-hmm. yeah and it's it's not so important you know what they did previously mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like jesus was welcoming of tax collectors you know prostitutes like all these different people that repented and because they repented 
he was now open to them, right? Like that's what we should be as Catholics, what we should emulate. Um, and then I don't remember what exact reading it was from, but there was one where, you know, someone that was already pious. And then when Jesus asked him to give everything up, he hesitated. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that that kind of shows just like, just because you've been on this journey, let's say longer than someone doesn't make you more pious. Right. Right. And I think it's also one of those, um, like a fair weather Catholic kind of a thing. Like, you know, he did all of the things he was supposed to do to be righteous up until the point of being tested, truly tested. Mm-hmm. And at that point is when he failed, right? And like our first reading says, this is when we have to be the strongest in our faith is when we're being tested, right? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and, and I also think it's, if you're being having that, holier than thou attitude it's you've like come at it from totally the wrong angle right <laughs> like yeah no exactly. intentions are are incorrect um because our goal is to bring the light to everyone and so yeah like you said we should be excited for other people to share what we have Mm-hmm. And I, I think kind of like going off of that for me, it's just like salvation is not a selfish thing. I think salvation is like a selfless thing. It's about the souls around you as well, right? Right. If Jesus is not an example of this, I don't know who is. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I think kind of, I, I, I still stuck on the point, but I think you made a really good point. Like he hung out with tax collectors and stuff. And I think it's, you shouldn't, I think for me, I think what I really wanted to focus on and what I really liked about what you were saying is that you shouldn't focus on people's past if they want to change, right? It's about supporting that change and helping them instead of being like, oh, you are a tax collector. There's no way you can be a pious Christian now. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's the, the God is all forgiving. If we truly believe that, then we should truly be open to all people. I think that's a, a great idea to end on for the second reading. I mean, for the psalm, right? It's just we are called to be open to the success of others, not, you know, resistant to it. Yeah. What did you get out of the second reading? I think the second reading for me was just like kind of a reminder of that you're human, you make mistakes, and God forgives you for that, right? He made that sacrifice knowing all of our sins before and after. Um, And it's just, because I think over here it says, even over those who did not sin after the pattern of the trespass of Adam, who was the type of the one who was to come. I don't know, for me, it's like this idea of like, we have this original sin that is passed on to us um, for a long, long, long time. And God in his like compassion and capacity has, has been from like day one. I think I feel personally like trying to help us get past that, become the human beings that we were, you know, destined to be. Yeah. Uh, to me, the second reading was very St. Paul. I had to reread uh, all the sentences a couple of times to figure mm. out what the words actually meant. <laughs> um, but yeah, similarly, and, and I think it was a very, a very hopeful message in terms of, 
what humanity has been through in the past. Like from the time of Adam until Jesus, it was in darkness. And through all of that time, people lived and went about their lives and died. And they didn't have the light that we have now. Mm. So to me, that was very encouraging. It's like I have this great gift that people through all of those centuries didn't have. Um, so I should be encouraged by that, you know, um, because of what Jesus did for us. I think that what he did for us, I think, is, is so hard for me to still wrap my head around. Like, this idea of, and I think that's what makes the faith so awesome, right? Is there's always something for you to explore and try to discover. Um, as, you know, the doctors of the church have shown, uh, they've, like, that amount of time spent thinking about stuff, and they still um, admitted to us that they were, you know, confused about stuff or not knowing things. It's just kind of, it's... Like, kind of like you said, a gift, right? That we have this light and then also a gift that we have all the workings of prior the- theologians to go through, right? Because we're not living in an age where it's just apostles spreading the word. We're living in an age where people have thought about God, heaven, the Holy Trinity and stuff. And it's it's kind of a shame that, you know, I think a lot of people forget that those resources exist, yeah, yeah, it's I mean it's very fleshed out now. It's like when I talked about how uh when I had stopped going to mass I had like all these issues with what theology was teaching and I never looked at the actual theology. I just thought in my own head I knew what they were telling me, right? Hmm. And never once did it even dawn on me to go and actually read any of the actual sources of the church that I have available to me, not even just like the catechism, which is like, I've got one in my desk, you know, it's like, (laughs) these are like very simple tools that we have. And I think that, yeah, a lot of people just myself included, just forget that we have these tools. I think it's interesting. Like, for me, kind of going back, is like I, I wish I had spent more time learning about the catechism and going through a catechism. Uh, I feel like, um, at least in when I went to confirmation, it was not as rigorous as it could have been. Yeah, I don't remember actually ever really opening the catechism when I was going through confirmation. Um, so clearly not that rigorous. <laughs> um, but and I still don't read it enough. Like, I haven't read the whole catechism. And it's, you know, here's the guy that's saying he wants to be a zealot. Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, it's it sits right here, and it sits there. And I should read it. <laughs> it's, and it's, it's hard, I think. Um, I think my kind of excuse for it is, like, I was raised in a split household, so, you know, a lot of Catholic things don't really enter into the house because of the dynamic. So for me, it's just like I get to pretend like, oh, I don't have a catechism, you know, I can't read it. But it's really easy for me just to ask, you know, a minister at my church to be like, hey, do you have a catechism laying around that I could borrow or something? I think it's 
it's weird, right, to think about because the catechism is like, oh, are you curious about how you should be living your life for something? Here's how to live it, and here's why. And like, it's yeah. interesting that we have a tool like that, and like you, I've forgotten about it a lot, yeah. actually. Yeah, we need to just bind it in yellow with black stripes and say living life for dummies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually curious if we did that and, and like and, and people read it. And like we, we didn't let them know it was the catechism for the Catholic Church, right? Like it was just like how to live life and then see what people said about it. I can't imagine they wouldn't catch on. <laughs> but oh, Citations, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, church documents. All, all the citations of church documents. Looking at the index. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a fun thought, though. But no, I yeah, think having like a little pocket catechism. <laughs> yeah, mine seems pretty small, but it's you know hefty. Still hefty. <laughs> I think what uh, I remember seeing a catechism once, and like that font isn't like. 12, like size 12 font or something, or look really small. Yeah, it's pretty small in mine. It's difficult in this light to even read it. It's only over 800 pages, including the index. So, you know. So it's organized too. Yeah. But it's like I've read novels that are many, many, many more pages than that, and I still haven't read this. So, mm -hmm. yeah. But I think. Besides bashing on ourselves for not reading the catechism, it's a nice reminder to know that we have these tools available. Yes. And we're, we're here reading and talking about something, so that's good. <laughs> we're making progress. Next week, how to use the catechism. Next week, we will have read the entirety of the catechism and give you a full discourse. I hope you're ready for a five-hour podcast, part one. Part one of 500. <laughs> All right, shall we move on to the gospel? Yeah, no, that sounds good. Uh, did anything speak out to you? Jesus said to the 12, fear no one. I stopped there. <laughs> I mean, that's all I needed, right? Like, Jesus said so. So why should I? Uh-huh. <laughs> Easier said than done. For uh, sure, for sure. But yeah, I mean, really, I think we could stop there. And if we just remembered that all the time, we'd be a lot better off. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, I, I, I read beyond that point. Not to say that you didn't, but uh, there's, there's a line at the end that I really liked. Uh, Everyone who acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Heavenly Father. But whoever denies me for others, I will deny before my heavenly father. And I think this is it's really interesting, right? It's like this idea of that, like, even if someone's not Catholic, but they're okay with me being Catholic, that makes me feel, I, I, I mean, it, it, it shouldn't have to be this way, but it makes me feel pretty good, right? It's just like, oh, this person's understanding, right? They may not be Catholic, but they're okay with me being Catholic, and they're going out of their way to actually understand what it means to be Catholic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. The part that really spoke to me was, even all the hairs of your head are counted. You know, because it's really easy to feel pretty worthless. Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, I'm not a mover of people. <laughs> I don't have any real power. Um, I, I can't really help 
people outside of my small sphere of influence get closer to God. Hmm. And I really wish I could help more people and I wish I could be better myself. And all of these weaknesses, it's like God has counted all of the hairs on my head for every single one of us. He's that intimate with every single one of us. Mm -hmm. And it just, it really spoke to God's overwhelming love, right? Because he has all of us keenly in his mind. And that was just crazy to me. I never, I never thought about it that way. Is I think what you're saying reminds me of a reading. It's like before we were born, he knew us. And I think like what you're saying here kind of reinforces that idea is that all of us individually are valuable to right. to God. And that's why we focus so much on salvation for everyone, right? It's not just, oh, the select, you know, few that I've chosen. It's about helping everyone. Right. Because right. all of us are valuable. Yeah, we want everyone to acknowledge Jesus before his heavenly father so that he can acknowledge everyone. It you know, it's difficult to even consider the repercussions of not acknowledging God, right? And yet there people do. And to me that's, you know, it's very sad. Right? Mm-hmm. It's the most sad thing ever and you want to help them know God, right? Kind of for me, it's it's especially jarring for me to think about people who, like, they're not just separate from God, but they're, like, openly opposed to the idea of a God. Like, for me, it's, I mean, I've never really tried to engage in those conversations with them. Because I, I, like I, I'm afraid of it leading me down a dark path. I don't want to go down. Um, but it's just like, how do we have those conversations with those people that you know are not neutral about it, but like actively opposed? Yeah, yeah, and it's difficult because I mean, there's a real stake in the game, and they refuse to acknowledge it. And you want to help them. I guess acknowledge it, right? But it's like, how can you? How can you even begin? Um, and yeah, that is it's difficult. But you know, there is God is all forgiving, right? And hmm. anything can happen, like with Saul, right? Massive conversions do happen, and miracles do happen. So it's it's easy to get mired in this pit, but we have to remember that there is always forgiveness available to us Mm -hmm. and like we said everyone can change and it's not for us to judge their past right it's for us to try and help them be better Mm -hmm. well we're getting close to the 40 minutes would you like to say a prayer or i guess i'll do the antiphon first all right sounds good The eyes of all look to you, Lord, and you give them their food in due season. Thank you for your presence, Lord, as we discuss your word and as we try to grow deeper in our faith. Um, 
as we examine these words and move forward, I hope that we we continue to grow in our faith and that we spread what you want spread. Instead of raising our own selves up, we raise you and your glory. Uh, I would like to pray today for the courage and the um, spirit to be uncomfortable, to challenge myself and my faith, and to grow in it. I would like to pray for everyone to come at conversation openly and not angrily. For the prayers spoken out loud and kept within our hearts, we lift them up to you, Lord. Uh, today, I'd like to offer a prayer that uh, James brought to me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your faithfulness through the generations. Your word says that although people plan their courses in their hearts, it is you who establishes our steps. Give me strength and guidance for everything that lies before me. Whatever I do today, your loving eye is on me and you have promised to guide me. Help me to fix my eyes on you as I run the race of life. Help me to walk by faith and not by sight. Strengthen me through your Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.